0: Welcome, this is EIG, Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm the Director of Community Outreach here at Ellen Becker. I've said before that we've got a lot of really great things going on in our city and the surrounding suburbs. We're known for our beer and our brats, our great cheese, our spectacular lakefront. We have the largest music festival in the world. How cool is that? We also have nine Fortune 500 companies in our backyard, including Northwestern Mutual, Manpower, Kohl's, Harley Davidson, Rockwell, PhiServe, to name a few. But unfortunately, we're also top on another list. And this one is not so impressive. Milwaukee is known as the third poorest big city in America. One in four of our neighbors live in poverty, and every night, about one thousand people endure life on the streets. Do we see them? Do we turn a blind eye, or do we help? My first guests today are Eva Welch and Shelley Saracen, co-founders of Street Angels. A Milwaukee outreach to the more than 1,000 people who are homeless and living on our streets. Welcome to the show today, Eva and Shelley. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. You are more than welcome. Wow. More than 1,000 people struggling to put a roof over their heads and in some cases their families as well, right? You and your volunteers are out there serving these people in need. Why? Why,
2: why do you guys do it? Why are you so passionate about the work you do? I think part of the why is, you know, we've, we've become friends with the people we serve. Um, for many of them, we're like family to them. Um, and, you know, just knowing that they're depending on us and knowing that they may be waiting for us to eat for the first time in the day, mm. it, it gives us a lot of go. It gives us a lot of go power.
3: Yeah, yeah. Shelley, what about you? The passion that, that we have for the people that we serve is twofold. We get it just as much from the people that we're serving on the streets as we give. It's it's equal. And once you see things, you can't unsee them. Mm-hmm. And once you feel things, you can't unfeel them, which yeah. has kept us going for four years now.
1: Yeah. And that's interesting you say that because when, when I was first talking with you, Eva, and, and thinking about the things that you do it, there are so many scripture verses that speak to what you guys are doing. You know, I know that you are not a a Christian organization, but you're affiliated with a number of churches. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's just so much that speaks to that servant heart, you know, open wide your hand to your neighbor to help the needy and the poor. But when you talk about angels in particular, what came to my mind is the verse that says, do not forget to welcome strangers by doing this. Some people have welcomed angels without even knowing it. So not only are you angels by providing help, you could also be providing this help to angels. You yeah. know, it's like a mutually beneficial experience, right? We have. definitely is.
3: We we definitely have um, served angels. Definitely.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they're among you all day long uh, or all night long, as right. the case yeah. may be. Yeah. So how did you guys get started? I mean, what, what was it that was tugging at your heart specifically
3: well um, even I met actually volunteering at a winter warming shelter four years ago um, neither one of us had ever been around any sort of homelessness prior to that um, experience not only did we get to know each other we got to know the um, folks that were staying in the warming room and um, forming those relationships and, and finding out how we could help them further um, because it's really hard to let somebody out the door at seven o'clock in the morning when it's 11 degrees outside. Oh,
2: sure. Or below that with the right. wind chill as we experienced this last winter. Yeah. Or even when the winter wrapped up. You know, it was somewhat warm outside, but we were still concerned about who's checking on you, where do you eat, you know, who br- who brings you blankets, where do you mm. wash your clothes? These were questions that we had, and, and at that point, you know, we had spent almost the entire winter, almost, you know, night after night with these people, and. We started to form bonds, and we started to form relationships. And at that point, we kind of decided that we were going to start loading up the back of Shelly's car. And mm. we went out, and we found some of them. And, you know, they one person would tell another person, and it would just lead to, now we're seeing three people, now we're seeing six people, now we're... And it just kept growing and growing.
1: Now, Shelly, you made a comment about a meeting in a warming room. Can you
3: tell us what that is? So four winters ago, um, when temperatures dropped to 10 degrees or below at night, places would open their doors and allow people to come in, spend the night, stay overnight, but they'd have to leave at seven o'clock in the morning. Oh, okay. So it was just an emergency warming room so that people wouldn't be left out in the elements, um, which is what we have here now, um, gone up a little bit in temperature So far, they open up at 20 degrees this winter. Okay. And who's opening their doors? Churches? Corporations?
2: Mainly churches. Um, A couple nonprofits have. um, We actually hosted a warming room in the winter of 2017-18 in partnership with Ascension Lutheran. Okay. Um, So whenever the temperatures hit that year, we were still at 10 degrees. 10 degrees. Um, 10 or below, we uh, make sure that the warming room was staffed, and it was just in their gym, and everybody got a blanket, and it was a warm place to be. You know, we made sure we had food, and um, for some of them, you know, they might have just been coming for the companionship. But, sure, which so,
1: everybody needs, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, yeah. So they're basically like a pop-up shelter for emergency-related weather.
1: And has have they always been there, or is this just since you have been out advocating for...
2: I know the like, um, the St. Ben's downtown, I believe they've been doing it for like 25 years or something like that. So, And that was at the 10-degree mark Okay, that they've been opening their doors. They well, wonderful were, that,
1: yeah. that some places are, right. are doing that. I it's mean, the building's there, right? Lives. Yeah, right. why not? Right. Yeah. Well, what does Street Angels actually provide for the
2: people living on the streets? So um, we can kind of consider ourselves like a mobile resource. Um, we have a couple small transportation buses that are outfitted with shelving. Um, in the shelving, you will find clothing, hygiene items, blankets, um, sometimes pillows, tents. Um, every night tents that we do, too. oh, tents are wow. Tents are a popular um, thing that the people on the streets ask for. It gives them a little bit of shelter. Sure. If anything, it gives them somewhere to store their items. Okay. Where if somebody stumbles upon them and they're in a tent, they're not going to think they're garbage versus okay, a bag sure. of stuff, you sure. know. Sleeping bags, I would imagine. Sleeping bags, yep. Sleeping bags are definitely high on our list. And um, the nights that we go out, we also offer a hot meal for the moment as well as a bag lunch for later. So we're only going out Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Um, There are a couple other teams that go out intermittently, but we want to make sure that if we're seeing them on Tuesday, we're gonna load them up with enough food that they can stick a couple things in their backpack mm-hmm. and have it to eat on Wednesday, and then we're gonna see them Thursday again, and so on and so forth.
1: Nice. So, what else in addition to the the food and the the uh, the resources like the tents, the sleeping mm-hmm. bags, the clothing items you had mentioned before, companionship? You Companions. know? How important yeah. is that?
2: Yeah. You know, we actually um, we call ourselves hope dealers. So whenever you see us, we'll always have on our sweaters and oh, I see, say, yep. yeah, us on your sweatshirts, hope dealer, hope nice, dealer. yeah, um, yeah. But you know, our that's kind of our short-term goal is to provide them with the basic survival needs, which would be the food, the water, the tent. Our long-term goal is to connect them with vital resources that can eventually, or even immediately, get them off of the streets um, and get them back to being a functioning member of society. And we try to do. Follow-up care as well. Um, you know, we're 100% volunteer-based, so right now we're, we're a little limited in the things we can do. But when somebody gets housed, we, we, we try to stick with them, and we ask them to give us a list of items that they want or need, and then we ask the community to fulfill that list. Okay. Um, and, you know, even just keeping in contact with them on the holidays or just once in a while to reach out and say, hey, how you doing? Um, you know, some of the resources that are available, we have a hard time navigating And we have phones with Internet on it and phones that we can call. And we have cars. And, you know, so imagine sleeping in the woods with no phone, no bus pass, no car, no way to shower, no telephone. Navigating those resources is almost impossible. So we try to hold their hand and guide them um, to get the resources that they need and eventually get them off the streets.
1: And that's wonderful that relationship piece. I mean, who doesn't need a friend? Right. You right. know, so you're not only providing resources and then you disappear.
0: Right.
1: You're sticking with them and providing support all along the way, which is so cool. How did you guys come up with the name?
2: Um, I don't it, it was kind of um there's another group out there that we work with called Street Life and Um, We appreciated their name, but we also wanted to be called Angels because one of the guys on the street would always call us an angel. So we just kind of put the name together, and we were like, yep, that's it.
1: We love it. (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. Entertaining angels unaware. That's what they say. Well, advocacy, education, and awareness of the many issues that surround homelessness are just as important as feeding and clothing the homeless. Stay tuned to hear what Street Angels is doing to bring the community together in these areas. We will be right
0: back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Eva Welch and Shelley, co-founder of Street Angels. So let's talk about advocacy, education, and awareness. What are some of the
3: things that you guys are doing in those areas? Well, as of this past winter, um, warming rooms did not open until it was 10 degrees or below. So in last November, we decided, you know what, we need, to, we need to be a voice and we need to really rally on behalf of our friends that we serve. So we set up shop downtown with um, volunteers who just held cardboard signs, but made ourselves very visible and very known um, that Milwaukee has to do better for its most vulnerable population, and raise the threshold for warming rooms. Okay. So this winter alone, it um, prompted the existing warming rooms to open up at 20 degrees or below. Okay. Um, which is better. Sure. Yeah. Um, we really wanted 32 degrees because 32 degrees is freezing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that allowed um, 47 nights of shelter for the people that we serve versus maybe half of that. Nice, so th- so how do you what do you do then to
1: i mean, if you wanted to get it to the point of opening their doors at thirty two degrees who do you go to for-
3: well, we actually just did that, so there has been a new county advisory board that was just passed a uh, advisory board resolution um called cold Blue Milwaukee and it it references that in Milwaukee. Um, there should be a resolution that warming rooms should open their doors at 32 degrees. So no one should risk freezing to death.
1: And so it's voluntary then by those churches or those gymnasiums it's recommended. or, or yes. you know, organizations. Right, right now that it's a
2: recommend, uh, recommendation. It was fully passed by the county board. Um, so now we're looking at the possibility or there is now funding to make it happen. Yes. So now it's finding the places that are willing um, and wanting to open their doors at 32 degrees and below.
1: So once a, let's say a church says, yes, we'll go ahead and do that, you're saying the funding has been approved, and so they get paid to use the resources,
2: in other words? or Yeah, um, I mean, most, most of the buildings that host warming rooms are not just empty buildings. You know, they're buildings that are being used the hour after okay. the doors close. So, you know, as far as getting staff to volunteer and so they're 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 receiving funding to run the utilities all night long and they're receiving fun days to staff it with staff volunteer ver, or staffing versus volunteers so okay. they can keep it open at 32 degrees because more than likely it was just 32 degrees a couple of days ago and it, it's now May 2nd. So. I know. Yeah. Hello,
1: Mother yeah. Nature.
2: You so, know. I mean, spring, it's, right? it's definitely going to be a challenge. Um, but, you know, our main thing was we don't feel we didn't feel like this should fall on our backs and we didn't feel like it should fall on St. Ben's and, you know, this is all voluntary off the heart and that was kind of the point of us protesting was the city and the county and the state and the nation need to stand up and say, we're not going to let people freeze to death. Mm -hmm. In the richest country in the world, we are not going to let people freeze to death. And that was kind of the point of us protesting to get the doors open at 32 degrees. So in our mind, this is just the first step. Mm. And and thank God that the first step went very well. Yeah, and and it's a big first step. it's huge.
1: What about on the opposite side? You know, obviously we have more days that are very cold than more days that are very hot. But in the event we have, you know, ridiculously hot weather, hot and humid, do they open their doors? There are a couple.
2: Um, repairs of the breach they are actually a day shelter okay so they're usually typically open I think it's six days a week Mm -hmm. Um, and I think they actually extended their hours last year when we had some really hot days Um, but there are a couple other places too that were opening their doors um, specifically because yeah it's it's heat stroke weather yeah so they were opening their doors to make sure people could come in and and our friends are very resourceful they know which restaurants are gonna be okay with them coming in there they know they can ride the bus around all day long if they need to so oh, okay. you know they're 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 very resourceful but um, we just feel like it it's our place as humans to make sure that there's a place with a ceiling and a roof and it's right. doors open basically you can come protection. in here and not Basic die from the need. weather right right yeah. right yeah. what about in the way of education uh, I think a lot of the education that we offer to the community is through our awareness efforts. Um, we have a very large Facebook group following, um, and one of our things is, you know, we like to post about about what happens on the streets. Okay. Um, so we like to educate people to be more empathetic and, you know, more considerate and Um, just to just he's just a human you know Mm -hmm. some people approach us like how do I talk to this guy that's living on the corner by me you walk up and you say hi and dignity how you doing you know he's a person like anybody huge right Right. yeah right yeah
1: Yeah. Um, and didn't you guys have some event where you were sleeping in the park
2: (laughs) what's that about we did we um, we have an annual 48 hour um, of homelessness so this last year, we stayed in Zeidler Park down on 4th in Michigan mm-hmm. um, for over 48 hours. Um, we turned it into a fundraiser, and we got a new bus from it. Nice. So that was pretty awesome. But So
1: what do you use the bus for then?
2: So the bus is what we use for the mobile outreach. Okay. So the mobile resource is our bus. Okay. We've pulled out some seats. We've put in some shelving, and it's all organized with a different size clothing and different hygiene items, so when they're asking for it, we're just able to grab, put it in the bag, and and get not them a only video. that.
3: I mean, the forty-seven nights that the shelters were open, um, they're not accessible to everybody. Right. So we were oh, out sure. every yeah, yeah. every night when it was twenty degrees or below, and we were transporting everybody in our buses to the warming rooms.
2: Okay. We transported um, five hundred and three individuals this winter to a warming room. Mm, and part of that is after. there. You know, there's a concentration of um, warming rooms downtown, not one on the south side. Oh, okay. You know, in the year before, we had our warming room on the south side, and we had almost 100 people there every single night. It averaged between 70 and 100. Yeah. So for them to get downtown and back, you know, some of them, downtown to some of them is a whole different world away.
3: Yeah. yeah. The buses are vital. Yeah. They're vital to our mission. Yeah. Well, do you ever have a situation
1: where somebody doesn't want to go?
2: Um. Yeah. I mean, sometimes um, they may have, you know, been traumatized and they they're just not comfortable in that type of situation. Um, the year before, when we were when we ran across a few people that absolutely refused, you know, we're not too concerned about why. We're more concerned about saving their life in that moment. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the whys later. But sure. we've actually taken people and put them in a hotel room of their own. Mm. just to make sure that they were not going to freeze to death. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and then you wonder, why not reach out to organizations like the Fister and the Hyatt? And, yeah, if they have rooms that happen to be vacant, you know, why wouldn't you make them available? To me, that just, again, seems like a, right. a no-brainer. But that's, yeah, that's maybe that's not so feasible many challenges. I don't know I, yeah I'm so sure many, so many yes. there might be other things going with that I mean not to make it sound like it's so easy it's, but it's to me very that seems like a solution
2: you know it's there there's there's several reasons that people are on the streets you know I mean there's so many different reasons that that's a big question we get asked is why are people homeless mm. and and it's just a multitude of of reasons yeah homelessness does not discriminate you know yeah. we've known people that We're born in the suburbs that are homeless. We've known people that were born in the city that are homeless of all races, of all ages, all genders. Yeah.
1: It may just be a a moment in time, too. Right. You know, it may just be maybe they're in between jobs or, you know, so, yeah, it's not our place to judge. When we went to to
2: the meeting for the Code Blue Resolution, one of the county board supervisors um, began to speak, and he began to tear up, and he shared with the entire room that he himself was homeless. Mm. And I think the whole room just gasped because it's, it, it made it so real. And he's now a business owner. He's now an elected official. And I think in that moment it gave us such hope that, you know, some of our friends can come out on this other side and we can be there to guide them. Yeah, Yeah. So that's important to us.
1: Do you ever have people saying, you know, this is a choice?
2: Uh, You know, I, I choose this. I, I
1: could, I do have money where I could go somewhere, but I choose this. We hear
2: that. Um, I've yet to believe it. Okay. You know, I think that's kind of, um, I'm fine. I can take care of myself. I'm a strong, big boy. You know, I think I I have We've we've broken down those barriers over time Okay.
3: and they're thriving in their homes. We've
2: met a few that are, I'm fine. I don't need your help. I don't need anything from you. And now they're thriving in their homes and it's instead of what are you doing bothering me, it's I love you, I miss you. You know, yeah. it's an amazing transformation to watch.
1: That's wonderful. Well, gosh, there's so much to do. You guys are like the Energizer bunnies. you know. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> but how can we help both from an individual standpoint and, and corporations as well?
2: Um, if you want to um, direct yourselves to our websites, we have lots of opportunities on there for... From volunteer opportunities to the different in-kind donations that we need. Um, and of course, we can always use monetary funding. Um, we've, we've grown to a point that the organization, um, we've come to a pivotal point in our growth. And we're ready to transform from being an all-volunteer-based um, organization to needing full-time staff. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we're focusing on now. Um, we just, just got our first facility. We're super excited about that.
1: Oh, wonderful. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Super yeah. excited. Well, the last know,
2: four years was yeah. spent working out of our storage units in our homes. So
1: Yeah, and I think it's important just to get the ask out there. Yeah. You know, I think I, I had sent you, I don't know why I didn't think about it sooner, but I sent you a last-minute email and said, you know, Eva, can can I ask the people here to bring in any donations that they may have? And I'm happy to say we have a car full. That you know, people will do it. You You just yeah, you just have to ask the question, right? People want to do it. Yeah, they want. They know that they can. They want to give back in some way. So well, thank you. Uh, both Shelly and Eva for, for what you do and for volunteering to help the homeless population in our city. We wish you much success with all the ways that you're reaching out and helping.
3: Thank you so much. Thank you
1: too for everything you do. You're Um, very welcome. We appreciate it. We're happy to have you today sharing your passion and your mission. I said at the beginning of the show that Milwaukee is unfortunately listed as the third poorest big city in America. But some say that Milwaukee County is on the verge of being the largest county in the nation to end chronic homelessness. Wow, that's an aggressive goal, and that would be a really big accomplishment. Stay tuned to learn how a local governmental agency is working hard to get this done. We'll be right back after a
0: short break. You're listening to EIG Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community with your host Jill Economo on News Talk 11:30 WISN.
1: Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guest today is James Mathy, Housing Administrator for the Milwaukee County Housing Division, of which Housing First is a part. Welcome to the show today James.
4: Thank you very much for having me.
1: Rather than moving homeless individuals through different levels of housing where each level moves them closer to independent housing, housing first moves the homeless individual or the household immediately from the streets or homeless shelters into our own into their own accommodations. So you're in a position with the county, James, that gives you constant exposure to homelessness. And there are a number of nonprofits doing great work to combat this issue. But why did the idea of Housing First come about?
4: Sure. So really where it started from um, holistically for our community was in 2015, uh, there was a a conversation about um, what would it look like if Milwaukee took on a large homelessness initiative. So what we decided to do, uh, we wrote a three-year plan to end chronic homelessness in Milwaukee County, focusing on the Housing First philosophy. Uh, And really what Housing First is, the goal is to take individuals who are living and sleeping on the street and move them as quickly as possible into housing and then wrap voluntary services around them after they're in housing.
1: And that's no small task, because we said before in the previous segments that there's about 1,000 Homeless people sleeping on the streets every night.
4: Yeah so the latest uh, point in time count has us uh, roughly at about 830 individuals in street and shelter and that can fluctuate sure. up or down so that, that that's about that's about correct um, And really our initial focus was on chronically homeless individuals so these are individuals who are homeless for uh, a year straight or had different episodes that led up to a year, either in the streets or the shelter. And really the way our community did this years ago is folks would do homeless outreach on the street, and we'd ask a series of questions about um, your criminal background. Are you willing to go into alcohol and drug treatment? Are you willing to see a doctor about your psychiatric needs and what that looks like. And if you said yes, you were offered housing. So Ah. now we flipped all that with the belief that housing is a human right. And once you have an individual's basic needs met first, then they're more apt to discuss employment. They're more apt to look at different treatment. So we found uh, just as a dramatic sea change in our community since we adopted housing first, Uh, We're at about a 96% housing success rate for individuals moving them right into housing. And really the focus is on permanent housing. As you said, years ago, the system would be somebody would live on the street, they would go into a homeless shelter, they would go to transitional housing, they would go to permanent housing. Our goal is to, again, move somebody from the street directly into their own permanent housing unit as fast as possible.
1: Okay. Well that's that's fantastic. Now before the break I said that there are some people, some organizations that believe Milwaukee County is on the verge of being the largest county in the nation to end chronic homelessness. That's yes. no small task. So you were just talking a little bit about before and how in 2015 Milwaukee County announced this plan to end chronic homelessness and you alluded to it before a little bit, but can you tell us more about what that is specifically and what the goal is with that?
4: Sure. So we did announce that in 2015 with the hope of ending chronic homelessness in three years. And again, what that really means is individuals who have been on the streets the longest who have the most severity of needs to really focus on that population first Um, So we uh, we did hit that goal about to the month of of three years where it gets to what's called functional zero, which means when there's a new individual who's chronically homeless, we have an immediate resource for them for housing and are able to immediately place them. Um, so we would be the largest county in the nation to do that. We're working with HUD to kind of get the formal stamp of approval from them, uh, that we accomplish this. So it's, it's a really big deal for our community in general. It's something no community of the size has done. Um, and it's especially important, um, due to, uh, the rampant poverty in, in Milwaukee, um, to be able to accomplish that in this community is, is really special for us. Yeah. And, um, it's not even about focusing on uh, what's been accomplished or or uh, have big press conferences about it when we're able to formally announce that. Really what it is is we've finally shown that we have a solution to homelessness.
1: Well, and it sets an example because then other communities can then say – what did, how did you do that?
4: Yes. You know, kudos yes.
1: to you. And and you did it in under three years, you said, right?
4: Yeah, it was uh, about, about three years uh, yeah. to, to the exact month. And and one thing that we um, want to make sure the listeners are aware of, um, a lot of folks, when they hear ending chronic homelessness, they say, well, you know, we still see tents center an overpass. So you right. really didn't do that. Chronic homelessness is about 15% of the overall homeless population. Uh, so the important point is we have an awfully long way to go and it's going to be a heavy lift for the community to continue our progress. But it's um, a start. It, it's a, it's start. a great start. It's a start. And we, we know we have the blueprint and mm-hmm. we know how to do this.
1: Yeah, that's well, again, kudos to you and great job. You. Um, can you explain to us what the housing first philosophy is and how it fits into this plan then going Sure.
4: forward? Sure. So um, it actually all starts with street outreach. One of the things that's a little unique about the housing division of Milwaukee County is we do our own homeless outreach. Uh, Most government agencies don't do that, so we have our own homeless outreach vehicles. We partner with nonprofit groups like the Street Angels to do homeless outreach. Um, And again, the goal is our staff will go under bridges and homeless encampments, and try to offer somebody housing on the spot. Um, and the important part of that, it's not just a, a rent assistance voucher where somebody gets housing and we buy them a bed and find an apartment. Almost all the individuals that we work with have some sort of behavioral health need that goes along with their homelessness. Okay. So we offer voluntary services to every single person in our program. And I stress the word voluntary. Uh, we really want each a case plan to look unique for that individual. Um, years ago, there were particular treatment boxes people were put in. Because of the way that we funded the Housing First program, we really let a homeless individual self-determine what their needs are. So obviously, they need housing. Um, some have employment needs. Some have lost contact with their family. Mm. Whatever they Say that their need is is what we focus on. Besides the housing, it's it's really important to have those wraparound services and have them be voluntary. It's it's really important to the success of this program.
1: Well, then I'm curious. You know, if we compare ourselves to other communities, you know, and uh, you talk about you uh, have your own homeless outreach and you have partners and you have these wraparound services, is that how you differentiate yourself, you know, what what are some of the differences about what's been accomplished here in Milwaukee County that is unique compared to other communities, I guess. Is-
4: yeah. I would say two things on, on a micro level. One of the things, again, that's unique about the housing division. We might be the only division in the country that's structured in such a way. Uh, the first thing we're, we're a housing division, but we're under the County's health and human services department, which is a little unique around the country. And we also have a lot of funding that's typically spread out between three or four different government agencies, all under one roof. So all the federal funds for Milwaukee County for Community Development Block Grant, home funds through the federal government, and our Milwaukee County Housing Authority are all under one roof. Okay. So we're able to kind of mix and match those funding services. resources and laser focus them on solving homelessness. Other communities, you have to talk to several different agencies to be able to combine those funds.
1: So uh, it might be more of a challenge for some other locations is. than Yeah, it, it yeah. is.
4: More importantly, I think what the community as a whole has done, um, when we announced this in 2015, uh, it has taken a village uh, so the whole community now, a couple years later has fully endorsed this philosophy. We have an awful lot of nonprofit groups, faith-based groups that do outreach along with us and coordinate this. Uh, what a lot of listeners don't realize is the Milwaukee police department is a huge partner with us. Uh, they do homeless outreach along with us. A lot of homeless individuals know, especially the, the downtown police officers names And they've been hugely important to the success of this program. The downtown business district has partnered with us uh, financially, as well as um, if homeless individuals are downtown, instead of business owners years ago being upset and calling the police, business owners will call us. And we'll immediately try to help those business owners and permanently solve the problem of a person's homelessness instead of calling the police and getting somebody arrested. Right, right. It's more about that housing placement and services, and then businesses all of a sudden realize, where did all the homeless folks go that were downtown, and now they're in housing.
1: Yeah, well, we've worked with uh, a number of homeless outreach groups on this show all doing great work so it's nice to see how you work with them and in what capacity so that's great Um, so in order for us to accomplish this task of ending chronic homelessness there are quite a few things needed to continue the progress so stay tuned to learn what some of those things are we'll be right back
0: thanks for tuning in this is EIG Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host Jill Economo on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm sitting here talking with Jim Mathy from the Housing Department of Milwaukee County. So I want to be sure to give you plenty of time, James, to talk about how we as a community can help in this effort. So what's currently needed to continue your progress?
4: Sure. There's a lot that's needed, and, and a lot of this, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to speak about this today, a lot of this is community education. A lot of folks, um, especially in the wintertime, uh, the generosity of Milwaukee citizens is, is off the charts. So to be able to educate the public on homelessness, the causes of it, the solutions of it, and what they can do is important. So thank you for that opportunity. You're welcome. Um, a lot of it is when you're focusing on housing first, um, a lot of citizens see people in tents, see people under bridges, and the immediate thought is folks need hats and mittens and food mm. and things like that. Which they do. Which they, which they yeah. absolutely do. Um, we would love more of a community conversation about philanthropic groups and citizens focusing on the back end of that. Mm-hmm. So we're very, very good at housing individuals, but the folks on the street have no income. Mm-hmm. So we can pay hundred percent of their rent, but what is hard for a government agency to do is pay for beds and every single thing you could think of that your family would need to move mm-hmm. into their first apartment. Mm-hmm. Our clients don't have any of those resources. So what we'd love to be able to do is have nonprofits be able to fundraise for those types of startup things. So for every 10 homeless individuals you see on the street, we will be actively housing those individuals, but all 10 of those individuals need pots and pans and beds and couches and dressers, money for security deposits, money for application fees for their apartments. So to be able to educate the public on the housing solution to this is really an important part of the conversation.
1: I think about rummage sales in, in spring and how they're popping up all over and you say, okay, what's the advantage there as opposed to just donating it? You know, you go into a rummage sale, there's a ton of household items, yes, sheets, uh, you know, beds, couches, end tables, plates, pots, pans, all that stuff. You know, think about, uh, you know, having our, our listeners think about that as an option instead of your uh, annual rummage sale, think about donating. If somebody wanted to do that, where do they bring that stuff to?
4: Sure, there's a couple different ways to, to do that. One of the things we've been able to do is partner with a downtown business district, BID21. Beth Weirick has been a leader in our community partnering with us. Okay. So she, through her website, um, it's called Key to Change, and the website is keytochangemke.com. So she partnered with us, uh, your listeners, if they're ever downtown around FISER Forum or the former Grand Avenue Mall, um, will notice gold-colored uh, parking meters. And all the money that goes into those parking meters gets donated to Housing First, but through the downtown business district. Oh. So if individuals okay. go to keytochangemke.com, there's a couple different ways they're able to donate. One of them is startup kits for apartments. And uh, the business district um, is able to funnel those funds directly to provide furniture and all the, the um, individual needs that folks have to move into apartments. So that's one thing um, okay. that we're able to do. Uh, folks can also reach us if there's individual donations, um, couches and beds and different things like that. Um, individuals can go to our Facebook page, which is uh, Milwaukee County Housing first. Through Facebook, okay, um, and contact um, us that way for individual donations. Certainly, nonprofits like uh, the Street Angels, who you had on earlier, we partner directly with them. So, if individuals donated to them for household items, we can certainly work work with that. Nice
1: collaborative um, efforts is so important, yes. right? I mean, there's people out there doing great things. Now, let's bring <laughs> those organizations yes. together and say. You know, let's let's uh, pool these resources and uh, for the greater good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Instead yes. of working separately, uh, the housing division partnered with the Greater Milwaukee Foundation to begin the Housing First Endowment. Can you tell us why this is so important to the future of homeless solutions?
4: Yes, I'm really excited about that. So, besides all the the progress that we've made, the big thing, especially with government funding, is sustainability. So the idea is, ten years from now, when a bunch of us aren't here anymore, how do you sustain this progress and even even continue it? So again, we partner with the Greater Milwaukee Foundation for this Housing First Endowment, and what the idea is, anybody that wants to donate to this endowment, once the money is in that fund, it's there forever. So it's not uh, somebody with a one-time large donation can make it one time, and it's in that endowment and stays there forever. Okay. And it pays for rental assistance, case management, and employment services. So none of that money comes to Milwaukee County government. It all goes to the Greater Milwaukee Foundation and then goes out to nonprofits that we work with in the community uh, through the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. Okay. So if we can make that fund large enough... Just with the interest of an endowment, we pull off that endowment as a community, and it's there forever. That's the holy grail, as I call it, of uh, philanthropic giving as far as homelessness, because a one-time large donation will be there forever. It just yeah. doesn't come in and go out. Mm-hmm. Um, it builds upon that interest, and it'll be in our community permanently. So that's uh, one of the big things we're trying to get off the ground. Um Individuals that go to keytochangemke.com, that is one of the ways they can donate. It, there's a direct link to the uh, Housing First Endowment that way. Okay. Um, as well as going to housingfirstmilwaukee.com. That's a website we talk about a lot for individuals that want to learn more about the Housing First philosophy but also donate. Can go to housingfirstmilwaukee.com.
1: Housing First Milwaukee, all spelled out. All spelled com. out. Okay.
4: Correct. Um, and there's then there's a direct link there to donate to the Housing First Endowment. The other thing that goes into the endowment for individuals that are flying out of Mitchell International Airport, individuals uh, have probably realized uh, in the security lanes that there are donation kiosks for Housing First. So all the change and dollars uh, that have gone in there, and we've collected quite a bit of that, all of those funds go directly to the Greater Milwaukee Foundation to kind of springboard this endowment concept.
1: Nice. Something that everybody can do, you know, in just a little piece. Absolutely. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. I think a good part of... Uh, of people getting engaged is for them to understand more about it. You know, we talked with uh, Street Angels before about education and advocacy and awareness. And so uh, I think for people to really understand what some of these homeless people are experiencing when they're out there is, is key. And there's a full length documentary that I saw that was made by Don Sawyer on the solution to homelessness, which was really, really good. You know, gave you a, uh, an insight into some of these people in their, in their stories. Yes. Um, you want to tell us about that?
4: Sure. So Don Sawyer contacted us. Uh, he did a full length feature documentary called under the bridge, the criminalization of homelessness. Uh, it was done a few years ago in Indianapolis and he kind of followed a a homeless encampment and different things the city was doing or mostly not doing to help those individuals. It was a really powerful documentary. I encourage folks to see it. It's on Amazon prime. Um,
1: And the name of it again?
4: Under the Bridge, The Criminalization of Homelessness by Don Sawyer.
1: So they could either Google Don Sawyer videos or or Under the Bridge. Okay.
4: Yes. So I uh, encourage
1: you to see it. It's really very good.
4: Yes. And then his idea was to have this follow-up documentary, now that he kind of highlighted the issue of homelessness, what would be the solution to homelessness? So that's his next film coming up. And he's focusing on Housing First as being that solution. We're really thrilled. He was in Milwaukee for uh, over a week filming a lot of our work here in Milwaukee. And Milwaukee is going to be one of the, the features of his film. So we're very, very excited nice. about that. So he's actively fundraising for the production of the second documentary.
1: And why not? Because of what you've accomplished, right? You yes, know? yes. Yeah, so it makes a, a, perfect sense.
4: Yes. And he, you know, so he was able to follow around our staff, but also some of the nonprofits that are doing great work in Milwaukee. Um, and he really was impressed at the the level of, that our whole community has adopted this program and adopted this philosophy. Again, it's not just government; it's government and nonprofits and business leaders and. Uh, the county executive, and Mayor Barrett, um, everybody has really embraced this one way of dealing with homelessness.
1: And volunteers.
4: Absolutely. Yeah, they absolutely. say
1: volunteers don't get paid not because they're worthless but because they're priceless. That's, <laughs> and, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, in this situation, that's it's uh, especially so. So absolutely. you do welcome volunteers, uh Sharing or donating their time in a in a many number of different ways,
4: right? Absolutely. the The Street Angels are a great example of uh, an organization that has an army of volunteers. And again, none of this progress gets done without our nonprofit partners, without the volunteers that that come to the table. Um, we had our office, as an example, flooded during the Christmas season with an Amazon wish list oh, of nice. things that our uh, our clients needed. We did a big push. Uh, in the winter time where we, um, uh, took individuals that were still sleeping outside in tents and housed virtually all of them. Uh, so that's one of the things mm. folks probably realized in the winter time is where did all those folks go? And a lot of other communities, they might've went to warming centers or been kicked out of downtown. They all actually got housed. Nice. Um, very and, nice. and the community response to that was really unbelievable getting individuals, the things that they needed to move into their first apartments. Yeah.
1: Milwaukee steps up.
4: They do. Yeah. Very do. good.
1: Well, we could go on and on. A lot of things to cover here, but at yes. least we were able to plant a seed. Thank you, Jim, for sharing with us how Housing First is making a difference in our community. Sure. I want to thank my first guest today, Eva Welch and Shelly uh, Shelley Saracen from the Street Angels, and again, Jim Matthew representing Housing First uh, and the Housing Division of Milwaukee County. Thank you, all of you, for, for what you do to bring comfort and safety to homeless men and women in our community. If you'd like further information about the people or the organizations we talked to today, you can email me at jill at or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. You can tune into our show a number of different ways. You can turn on your radio and listen on the AM dial. You can fire up your laptop or tablet and go to newstalk1130.com, or tune in via the iHeartRadio app and listen on your phone or you can ask Alexa to play WISN AM 1130. You can also visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to the previously aired shows. Join us again next Sunday to hear more about some great nonprofits that are doing great things in our community and making a making a big difference. Figure out a way that you too can make a difference. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great Sunday fun day.